Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea FC. Nick, Dan, and myself cover all the match reviews from the latest Chelsea matches. We cover the team news and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you already for being an awesome listener. And you know what? Let's jump right in. Welcome back, Chelsea fans and all fans of football as we join our for another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Unfortunately, not running out of the gates with this one. It has been it's been a tough week for the football community, the footballing world, the soccer community. However, you want to identify with it. Obviously, kicking off the weekend right away, Glenn Hoddle uh, falling ill in the studio in preparation for the Premier League matches and commentating. Um, a big one for Chelsea Football Club. Obviously, he was player manager of Chelsea, and a lot of our longtime season ticket holder friends on Twitter talking about how Glenn Hoddle was really crucial to the upturn in Chelsea's fortune and winning trophies, and you know, bringing players like Rude Hullet to the club. And his friend Chris Axon of the podcast, he is the one who we repost all of his amazing photos from the games. He put it like this, quotes, we were going nowhere in 1993. Glenn Hoddle changed the course of our club's history, end quote. So again, if if you're new to Chelsea, may you not know about Glenn Hoddle and his history at Chelsea. It's, it's worth looking into just so you can help appreciate his impact on the club. And obviously, our thoughts and prayers are with him. And we mean that in the sincerest ways. Then comes Saturday, the terrible tragedy at Leicester City where their owner and chairman, Kuhn Vishai's helicopter crashed right outside the King Power Stadium. Uh, he was known affectionately around the footballing community as the ideal chairman, uh, writing off debts, pushing the club to, to further ambitions than what they ever could have imagined winning the Premier League and playing in the Champions League. Um, you know, but even the little things as far as like giving away 60 season tickets on his 60th birthday, giving away scarves when it's cold, just there are endless stories from the Leicester City fans about how amazing he was to them and their community. And obviously Chelsea Football Club put out a statement, pretty much every Premier League team, the FA, so many players, obviously with Danny Drinkwater and N'Golo Conte and the team is very relevant for Chelsea. Um, but obviously, you know, pretty much everyone has wrapped it up. 
you know, with, with this being said is that, quote, our thoughts at this time, at this sad time, are with the family and friends of all those who lost their lives, as well as the players, staff, and supporters at Leicester City, end quote. And again, that was Kun Vishai and four others that tragically lost their lives this weekend in a helicopter crash. And so with both of those starting off this episode, my, or I'm sorry, Dan and Nick, it is uh, with a heavy heart that we have to bring you guys in and kind of try to somehow move beyond the 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 weekend's happenings into you know what happened on the pitch at Turf Moor as well, Nick. I mean, it's obviously no easy feat for us, but I felt it was worth our time to you know acknowledge and and you know really bring out you know our feelings and and how it affected us as well. Yeah, and I mean it, to me, it's you know even though we have our own tribe, and Chelsea's our tribe, and. Leicester City as their tribe, you know, it's a uh, it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty rough moment for football in general. I mean, we, uh, you know, Dan and Dan and I were talking before the uh, for the recording of this that you know almost almost to the day of Matthew Harding passing away, uh, October twenty second, nineteen ninety six. Uh, this this happens this weekend, and it it just uh, Dan, it kind of strikes you right in the heart as a Chelsea fan. Yeah, just a freak accident and, you know, just something that is truly, you know, you, you see the effect that it has and the, the connection that members of the Chelsea community had with, with Matthew Harding and what he meant to them and, you know, how he's revered. And you can imagine that Kun Vishai will be remembered and honored in that way moving forward by the Leicester City family. And I know that it seemed as if the response from I guess Glenn Hoddle's representative was that uh, he's still in critical condition but does seem to be taking to the treatments after a cardiac episode and you know we wish the best for Glenn the best for his family the best for the Leicester City community and you know I think it's a good opportunity if you know someone in those communities um, you know just uh, you know check in and see how people are doing because obviously these type of things can affect affect people in different ways and you never know so maybe just a good opportunity to ask someone how they're doing and then to try to end this on a more positive and happier note you know remember back to that 2015-16 season absolute dumpster fire for Chelsea Lester you know having a chance to clinch the title Chelsea Spurs playing Ed Nazard absolute wonder goal bending it in at the top of the left of the box in the far post corner sealing the title for Leicester City. I am sure all of us were able to celebrate with our Leicester City brothers and sisters after that. It was a win-win for both of us. So kind of wrapping up with that happy moment, uh, let us move on and into the the normal fixture schedule for us. Uh, Dan, Nick, you're with us. Guys, welcome. Gentlemen, moving on. Dan, we do... As always, like clockwork, have more iTunes reviews. Five stars, to be specific. Yeah, there's a uh, Kamlonsky, uh, Timot, um, which I guess is probably just some odd way of spelling tomato, and then uh, <laughs> Jaroslav underscore blue. Our one of our first couple reviews here from Switzerland, saying that we're going international. Uh, so not not maybe a Swiss miss, but a Swiss hit there, Nicholas, oh, with that five star review. God. And they're never going to listen again with jokes like that. Oh, they will. I mean, they on. will. They, come you know, on. they love the jokes. They love the puns. They love <laughs> the, the humor. They do, huh? They, they love the beard and you shaved it off this week. So we're not going to, uh, we're not even going to enter into that conversation. But <sighs> if you'd like a shout out at the beginning of the episode, leave a five star review on iTunes in the country store of your choice. And we will give you a little shout out. Let's see. You just had to let Yaroslav do the talking with his iTunes review title saying the BBP equals the Blue Boys Pod. You know, just just let him. No, it it was the Blue Boss Pod, probably in reference to one Ross Boss Barkley. Exactly, which we will definitely circle back to him, even though I tried to not talk about Ross this week. Anyways, we didn't have any Patreon names. Sad face. Uh, again, still working on new rewards, so get uh, excited and look forward to that. But anyways, Nick, uh, something they can get excited about right now is, uh, well, I don't know. No spoilers here. I'll, I'll let you take it. Would it be that we're going back to London? And Hey, surprise! Who knew? <laughs> yeah, breaking news. <laughs> 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 yeah, so again, guys, like I know we were, we were on last week and had this kind of same update, but... Uh, we are kind of 
I think we only have a few spots left in our trip um, to kind of have the ideal amount of people. So I think we're uh, about 22, 23 people right now. Um, if you are interested at all in this trip, and I know that, you know, time is kind of of the essence uh, as we're entering into about two months out uh, from, from going to London, uh, just DM us. Uh, we are really excited about this trip. We, we think there's a possibility um, to, to have just an epic New Year's holiday that we're going to go to our first away match at, at Crystal Palace who, you know, are, are you know, not that good. So um, we're, we're really pumped about, about this trip. So uh, DM us, email us. Uh, we are happy to answer any questions. There are no dumb questions. Uh, it took us a little while to figure out uh, what we were um, wanting to do when we went over there. So uh, just please email us, and we'll we'll kind of take it from there, Brandon. All right. Well, here we go. Match review time. It was Burnley in the Premier League at Turf Moor Stadium. And it was this past Sunday, October 28th. In case you missed it, Burnley nil, Chelsea 4. And we actually did have some correct score predictions. That is right. On Facebook, we had Arjan or Arian. Instagram, we had Eco Marioso, Rocky underscore not underscore Ricky. Very specific. Uh, Sean XSBTG, Victor underscore underscore RS. And nobody on Twitter. Big swing and a miss there. Uh, as did all of us. But Dan, that probably makes you the most heartbroken, being the closest with a 3 nothing prediction. You know, we, we had wonderful goals today. So I'm, I'm never going to be upset if we score four goals or five goals or six goals. So... You know what? Not super heartbroken. All right. Well, anyways, go ahead and continue us on through the lineups for today. Well, no surprise. The most expensive goalkeeper in the world, Risa Balaga, starts in goal. Then we had Rudiger, Marcus Alonso, Aspilicueta, and David Luiz as our back four. So a complete swap out of everyone that played in the midweek fixture. Jorginho Conte and Ross Barkley get the start in midfield. And then Pedro, William, and Morata get the start as the front three. And Hazard with a back injury. And then obviously Daru played in the midweek as well and had to get some nice rest there. We did have a bench full of wonderful individuals. Cesc Fabregas, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Mateo Kovacic, Olivia Giroud, Davide Zapacosta, Gary Cahill, and one Willie Caballero. We did see a substitution for Ruben in the 30th minute because Pedro, uh, his tummy was not feeling good. Was was a was I don't know what they're eating there now. You know they they took away all the they brought back all the unhealthy foods, Nick, and people are getting sick and have to come out of the games in the thirtieth minute. Uh, Too much Halloween candy, man. Too yeah, much Halloween candy. That effing ketchup, man. You know they brought back ketchups and salts. <laughs> uh, Giroud comes in, in the seventy fourth minute from Rata, and then Cesc Fabregas comes in in the seventy eighth minute. Nick, was it made official that Aspie is club captain? I I don't know. Was it? <laughs> No, I don't think mark? so, but my point, <laughs> yeah, no, I, my point is that Espy is again captaining the team. Remember, it was this question every single press conference. So I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll announce it tomorrow. I'll announce it tomorrow. Never did. I think he just kind of left that one fly under the radar, and it's made, I don't think it's been made permanent, obviously, with Cahill there, but clearly Espy has been a very consistent wearer of the captain's armband. Yeah, I, so I, I just got my Espy kit this weekend, so I was happy to happy to don that. Uh, that brilliant yellow uh, Aspie kit today. It was it was wonderful. I felt one with the Aspie. Did it? Did come... you don your captain's armband as well? I wish. Did it come that would with be one? Even better. That'd be even better. It'd be much better if it did. I might have to buy one now. Like that. Just let's just. That's do that. like let's next level that full kit wanker. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Chelsea had just shy seventy percent possession. Eight shots on target. That's right. Not shots. Shots on target, 24 total shots. Uh, just missed the 1,000-touch mark, 799 passes, uh, 9 tackles, 24 clearances, 4 corners, 0 offsides. That's right, everyone. Alvaro Morata played almost an entire game and was not offsides. Hallelujah. You know? Hallelujah. And then you've got the, uh, the XG map for Burnley and Chelsea. And uh, Kaylee Graphics here saying, and I quote, that's a paddling, Nick, I feel like... <laughs> That's not a bad way to break this one down. Uh, yeah, this uh, this was not a close match in the slightest. I think overall, when we look at the match, uh, and I always like to try and sum it up, I mean, it was just, 
it was clinical. There, there was not as much fight. I mean, my, when we did our preview last week for this, I was kind of worried. Um, cause I, I know that Burnley plays this physical kind of in your face style. And I guess it doesn't really work against a team that can just pass around you for days. So, um, just a comprehensive win boys. That's what we're looking for. Thankfully I, uh, you know, is it, we did, we we're super worried going into this, but when you ring out for nothing, you know, it, this is one of those games that the XG chart would have said Chelsea were expected to get three goals to Burnley's point three, and it would have been the one, one last season. So it, this was a very much a game that we could have tripped up on and didn't. And it all kicked off in the 22nd minute, Dan, with a very unlikely starter to get on the score sheet yeah well i mean not unlikely when we consider the fact that he had scored in, in two of his last three matches but alvaro baranta continues to find the back of the net much to the chagrin of people who uh wished to send him in a uh you know a box with no holes to a middle eastern country to the highest bidder that would give us money for uh his services from a footballing perspective but he delivers thanks to a wonderful ball from barclay just beautifully weighted and I think what we're seeing is when Morata doesn't take a lot of time to think about his shot, uh, it just kind of sails in. You know, it, it was a really, really beautiful goal, and you could see how excited he was. You could see that you know him and Barkley were kind of maybe have a, a little bit of a, a budding romance there, Nicholas. And you know that that would be exciting to get a little more more uh, bromances going on in the team here. More bromances, always good things. Um, just team chemistry seemed like it was uh, was on point today, so that that was very helpful. All right. 57th minute, one, Ross, the boss, Barkley, Conte laying the ball into the destructive path of Barkley at this point. This guy is just, everything he touches turns to gold. Um, Shot outside the box. It really wasn't a barn burner, that's for sure, but it found the bottom corner, got past Joe Hart, who was having a ridiculously good game, which was massively frustrating as I sat there and, <laughs> and watched, uh, you know, third string Burnley keeper just tearing it up against us. But again, um, great build up play, you know, William pressing it, getting it out to the corner, getting Lester, or I'm sorry, not Lester, still have them on my mind. Uh, Burnley uh, pinning back into the box again. It, he took it with such confidence. He got the pass got it out from under his feet, and let it fly. And, uh, I mean, that's the confidence we're looking for, especially from a midfielder. It is so, so great to see. And then the party kept on rolling, Nick, in the 62nd minute with Willian. Yeah, Willian had a, a, a really great game today playing on the left-hand side. Uh, so he did his patented uh, step over, uh, cut upfield, uh, and then just let one rip. And, the thing I, I really admired about this is I think that he has a, a tendency sometimes to want to hit the upper 90s square on the uh, square on the dot. And he, he took a little bit off this and uh, kind of guided it a little bit uh, into the corner. And it was just a brilliant goal. I mean, something that we need more from him, uh, you know, and I think he's a lot more comfortable on the uh, on the left because he can cut in on his right a little bit more. But um, obviously when, Eden Hazard's healthy. That's not a likely position for him to find himself in. So, uh, regardless, great goal from William. I thought he had a fantastic day. Do you think that's a big thing for him, positioning on the right versus the left? I do. I, I just think he looks so much more confident on the on the left hand side because he knows he can utilize all the tricks in his bag. I don't. I feel like he's probably a little bit limited on the on the right. Hmm. Didn't he tear up Barcelona on the right? Bit of a one-off, though. Well, that was... No, actually, no, because uh, Eden Hazard was playing that center-forward role, so they were oh, kind of yeah. all interchanging and stuff, yeah. All right. Well, uh, anyways, I love the the last one on here. 92nd minute, it just says Loftus-Cheek. I mean, enough said, am I right? Man, yeah, that's, super that's awesome. Much, that's pretty much all you need to, to say, except for the fact that there was, uh, you know, about 10, maybe 15 minutes before that goal happened. Uh, you know, we were riding uh, this wonderful 3-0 uh, experience. It was a joy. And, uh, you know, dropped a little tweet saying it would have been absolute icy on the cake if Room Office Cheek also scored a goal today. And, uh, you know, man delivered, 92nd minute, you know. Uh, it's, you know, basically less than 30 minutes, you know. You could order pizza from him, too. You know, that would be a good opportunity to, you know, get a tie in there. But uh, all in all, nice, uh, nice to score from a corner as well because it was a corner – uh, David Luiz, you know, gets it down, knocks it to Alonso. Alonso knocks it back to the path of Ruben Loftus-Cheek. 
and uh, go, you know, goes into the box. And Joe Hart goes from having uh, a day where it looks like he belongs, you know, between the sticks for Barcelona, not Real Madrid, at least right now, and uh, ends up, uh, you know, looking like he belongs in a uh, pub side. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Um, okay, well, obviously, that was fun. Love rounding up so many of the goals. But as we dive into this one a little bit, Nick, uh, you know, the big talk going into this was we knew we weren't going to have Ed Nazard for this one with his back injury. A lot of the talk today is about, man, Chelsea are nothing without Ed Nazard. We will go only as far as he takes us this season. Um, how about today? Did you feel like it gave you any confidence that Chelsea are more than just Ed Nazard after today's 4 nothing win? Um. Sure. Yeah. I mean, if, if William steps up, like he stepped up today and, uh, Ross, uh, Ross Barkley just continues to, uh, improve match by match and N'Golo Conte is playing seek and destroy. And, you know, if, you know, our, our, uh, our left back who just recently signed a, a new contract, Marcus Alonso is bombing up and down and, you know, all of these things are really important, right? Like it, the team did not have its superhero today, but they all stepped up and played uh, really well. And what I what I admired about the performance more than anything uh, to me is that there seemed to be just a, a spirit in the face of all of the kicking and all of the fouls and, you know, goddamn Ashley Barnes, who I just hate, um, you know, going in on the keeper and, you know, just it just – all of that kind of nastiness that Burnley brings to the game, our our players were kind of just, it seemed, at least from, from watching on TV, like they were just bound and determined to just keep putting them in the net, you know, because the scoreline at the end of the game is all that matters. And um, it, there seemed to be a resilience there in the face of a whole lot of nonsense to uh, to continue to play beautiful football, and they did. And I give them a bunch of credit for that because, I, I repeat, this is one of the hardest places to play in the Premier League uh, for Chelsea, and and they were comprehensive in their approach today. It was it was really well done, Dan. Yeah, it, it was comprehensive, you know, and I think that you know we've been waiting, um, especially after you know our last Premier League match where you know we go up against United and we take an early lead and we have to you know crawl our way back to to a draw and the the, the dying moments of the game. And sorry, talked about, you know, we didn't play 90 minutes of his football or his idea of football. And I think today, you know, particularly in the last 20, 30 minutes of the match, we, we really saw what, you know, sorry ball or what you know, his idea, his philosophy looks like when it's executed at, at the highest level. It was a, you know, just constant recycling of the ball. There was nowhere for Burnley to move. And I think credit Dyche for going for it in the first 10 minutes and really making it look like it was going to be a difficult afternoon. But once we established strong possession and found ways to free up Jorginho and, and Conte was, you know, disrupting the ball appropriately, the two of them, I think, had a, a masterclass, which kind of goes under the radar when you have Ross Barkley coming in with the goal and two assists and, William scoring and Maratza scoring. There's so many positive narratives that you know these two guys are, are basically just dominating the middle of the field and owning their roles, and that really allowed you know those those attackers to get into the positions they needed to 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 take full advantage of this, Brandon. You know, I thought that uh, I was actually kind of surprised. I thought that Burnley rolled over a little bit. I didn't think that they were as Hard as they were a couple seasons ago, I thought they let a couple things just, I don't know. I I just felt like it was easier for Chelsea to be on the ball this time. And and that was a great thing for us. And I'll tell you what, it was a great thing for Alvaro Morata, uh, you know, just talking about him being able to flourish without Ed Nazard today. Because uh, usually it's up to him to provide for Eden, but it was the other way around. And I think he had the ability, you know, turn in the box and run at defenders. And normally they would have knocked him down before he even got there. So between, you know, Loughton, Loughton Taylor, Tarkowski, and me, um, you know, and just having obviously Robbie Brady was their enforcer in the middle. I don't know. I just, I was happily surprised to see that uh, Burnley were going to try to, um, I don't know, I guess 
match us up on the ball. And I thought that was a huge advantage for Chelsea. Uh, normally, these kind of games, I, f- I felt like we would have been kicked off the ball and was really surprised not to. Now, with that being said, I'm also interested interested to see if that was because Eden wasn't there <laughs> or if, uh, you know, in, in general, that they just they changed their strategy. And shout out to Eric, one of our listeners, who texted me and said, um, if we would have switched William for Hazard last week, and he's like, no one would have kicked William because he's not playing well. Well, after today, I guess we have a reason to kick William because he was great, and Eric was very proud of him. So hats off to you for being able to, to praise him when he's good. Next one, Dan. Uh, I, like I said early in the script, I tried to keep Ross, the boss, Barkley, out of the script for another week, but here we are yet again. After he puts up a goal and an assist, what is that, three goals in three games for him? Maurizio, you can't you can't keep him out, Brendan. You can't keep you can't keep him out. You can't keep him down. Ross the boss Barkley is here to to stay. He stamped his place on the midfield. I literally tried to. I I tried to write him out of it <laughs> while I was. Well, watching. that that was you know like that was uh, that's your fault. You know that's your problem. I don't understand why you hate Ross Barkley. Yeah, jeez. Um, you know, just uh, you know, I hope that we get to interview him the next time we're in London, and uh, we we'll, we can play a clip from this episode. Talking about how you want to erase him from the script. Um, I said er- write him out, not erase him. And there's a difference. No. The idea is that you assume that there would have been a bigger talking point today, but he just steals the show. He did it again. And I, at first I was thinking, yes, Alvaro Morata will be the star of this episode, but it's not. It's just Barkley is playing so much better than I think any of us ever would have expected. And he's starting to really show some consistency. Um I guess the the really funny thing I pulled out, and I'm trying to make a Dan joke here, is that Sorry at the end of the match said he wanted to see more Ruben uh, Loftus-Cheek playing with Ross Barkley. So, Dan, would this be the new meaning of a little R&R for Chelsea? Oh, it would. It would, Brandon, and I'm so proud of you. Uh, I'm really just over the moon with that, that joke there. Oh, um, but what I, what I will say is we, we talked about this on the last episode, but unshackled by the need to be the man uh, as he was at Everton and getting the opportunity to work his way back into being just a footballer and not having to be the, the matchmaker, the deciding factor, the, the divisive player is that Ross Barkley has found the freedom to just go out and influence the game. You know, he's, dedicated himself to studying and, and the tactics according to what he said and what Sari said. He physically is in probably the best condition that he's been in uh, at any point in his career and is just continuing to, to do the, the business when he's on the pitch. You know, it's the, uh, the first time that Chelsea have had an English uh, player, what, since uh, Frank Lampard, uh, score uh, three goals in three games uh, since, I think, like 2012-2013. So... Um, this is great signs of things to come, Nick. And I think that even though the fact that you know, he really started being a team player, the moment he scrubbed a move in the summer, so he, or the you know, winter, so he could come back in the summer um, and save the club 15 million pounds. Like that's, that's true Chelsea dedication. Um, and it just it started <laughs> right from the moment he got signed. I really, um, I'm, I'm proud of the way that he's fought through some adversity so far. I mean, if you think back to, you know, I think even when he kind of first got his um, his first couple of, of appearances for Chelsea were, were really poor. Um, the system was not set up to take advantage of, of his uh, skill set. And I just, you know, for a player who has all of the potential in the world, it's nice to see him capitalizing on these moments. And I will tell you, his goal today was my favorite by far. Uh, it just... I think we've we've all been waiting for a moment where we're we're driving on a counterattack and we have numbers and the you know, all the players are making the right runs and then someone just decides to rip the ball at goal and see what happens. You know, I think William did that today too. Uh and it's just sometimes it works, you know? Sometimes you don't have to walk it in the back of the net and you know, it wasn't the cleanest shot in the world, but he did uh he did catch Joe Hart unsighted because there was a, a defender in front of him and you know put it in the corner and to me it's just that kind of production helps everybody you know relax a little bit when you know that goals will come from you know the midfield or you know Mark Alonso will chip in it with a couple it just helps everybody kind of calm down and and uh, you know I think he deserves all the praise that he's getting right now he's 
he's a man on fire. Well, and, and Nick, you make a, a great point about the fact that he let it rip from outside because what we've seen, again, some of these sides that look to clamp it down and make the passing lanes extremely difficult is he was not allowing defenders to get set in that goal. You know, some were still half-turned, uh, not fully turned with you know their backs to the goal. They were in transition, and he took advantage of the, that fact. And so if we can see more opportunities like that one come together and we have people like Ross, who are confident to shoot from outside the box, that is going to help um, really address the concern that I think we've had in a couple of previous matches where we were concerned about what was going to happen when a team decided that they, once we had the ball outside their box, that they were going to be in two lines of either four or five players and basically just not allow us any passing lane or any opportunity to shoot. So like really really positive to see that we have midfielders who are, are shooting and adding goals and adding assists because that's what we talked about is what's one of the missing pieces outside of having a striker who scores goals. If Morata can do that, check. If Ross and Ruben and others are going to do this work from midfield, that is true challenge for the title opportunity right there. Well, you know, I think that uh, I've been really interested in hearing these little pieces that are starting to come out about Ross Barkley uh, he removed all of his tattoos. Like he had a sleeve uh, on his arm, and he's removed them. They said that uh, he's been walking home from Stamford Bridge, uh, and that he's just leaving Everton, which again was his boyhood club. Uh, he was thrown into the first team at the age of seventeen. Probably had uh, was given a lot, and probably was given a lot of leniency because of that. He's like really kind of closed his circle of friends. Uh, he's, he's refocused himself on just playing. And I've been really fascinated with a lot of these articles that have been coming about him. And you hear the, what he's talking about, um, you know, Maurizio and his staff are coaching him tactically for the first time since, you know, he was, he left the Academy at Everton and went to the first team. And I'm just really fascinated about, he is putting in the work and he is reaping the rewards. I think that all of Ross's recent recent success is 100% down to his work ethic, his mentality, and his approach to his job, which it is. He is absolutely dedicated and committed to his craft. And while he's not playing an attacking midfielder role, he is playing as an attacker in a middle three. And it is going so well, obviously, even getting into the team of the week in FIFA 19. Um, which is obviously the bar of success if you're professional football. You know, you you want to get that big card that you hold up awkwardly in the locker room, <laughs> that cardboard cutout of yeah. of your stats. Uh, but anyways, yeah, I just I don't know. I, it's been really really good to see uh, his on the field performance, and it's been awesome to hear about what he's done uh, proactively to change his lifestyle and his approach to his craft. And you know, so so well deserved, Ross. Uh, I hope you force me to write you in the script every single week. Uh, kind of like N'Golo Kante did the first season he came. Because that was mm-hmm. ridiculous. Kind of annoying, actually. <laughs> Just kidding. It was <laughs> not great. From, not I loved it. And you're not annoying when players are successful. Okay, yeah. we we've now have a trope for Brandon that we can reference back to. <laughs> yeah, again. Just keep that in your, set, your Rolodex. Set a joke, okay? It's a, it's a, a not joke. joke, like Borat. <laughs> it's a not. <laughs> All right. Um, keeping it moving, uh, since the defense didn't really have much to do today, I guess it would be rude of me to skip over Murata's performance. Nick, today is a clear indication of what he can be and also what the fans want him to be. Today was really worthy of his 60 million pound price tag or whatever it was that we paid for him. Um, I guess to you, what stood out the most about I don't know, something that went well for him. Like, was his mentality? Was his approach? Was it where his runs? What do you think was the biggest difference for Alvaro Morata today? Yeah, I thought he had a really a really solid game. I mean, I, I really wish he would have been more clinical because he, he could have had a hat trick in the first half. I mean, he was all over the place. He was making the right runs. I think that's probably what I was happiest with. He was, he was really making smart runs and um, instead of you know Olivier Giroud style occupying center backs with his his presence physically, he was occupying Tarkovsky and uh, and Ben Mee and and the crew at, at Burnley with his with his movement and 
that to me is the the type of you know the style of striker I thought we were getting last year is, is the guy who doesn't need to be back to goal but can make some really smart runs and occupy players in a different way and you know he got kicked in the first half and you know he he didn't go down as easily as he might have in, in previous matches I I thought it was an all around pretty good performance for him you know I think the next step Dan is for you know for Murata to show up like this against teams that aren't as abject as Burnley and to put in that type of shift and uh, you know to to finish off the you know very clear-cut chances that he did have today because you know the, again there's a hat trick there waiting for him uh, you know in the first half yeah I, I mean, here's here's the thing though shots on target will result in scored goals for Alvaro Morata like ultimately he has the pedigree of a player who you know has played at Juventus and, and Real Madrid and now at Chelsea like he he's played for you know, some of the most elite clubs in the world and has scored for them and scored on big stages. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that inside of the, you know, the body of Alvaro Morato and in his brain is the engine of a striker of a, a true center forward. And, you know, he's making good turns today. He was, you know, integrating well, he was dropping back when he needed to, to pull the play forward. Um, you know, so there was definitely some great opportunities or, or great things that were working for him. Uh, what I would say is, you know, he, he, he had those one or two moments where you saw a little bit of the frustration come through. There was the uh, you know, bad kind of challenge on him where he ended up getting a yellow card for getting up too fast, I guess. Uh, I'm not really sure what it was still. Yeah, that and, was a mess. I mean, my God. Yeah, I mean, Craig, Craig Pawson, Chelsea, and Burnley are not a great combination, as we <laughs> as we know. Not not a good mix. Uh, you know, you, would, you wouldn't put that in a cocktail shaker and serve it at a party. Um, ultimately, though, I, I think, you know, less of a... For him, it's repetition. Like, he just needs to keep on repeating this. I don't care against what competition it is. Like, eventually, yes, we will get to playing a United, a City, a Liverpool, and he'll need to score on those big occasions to truly cement himself as, you know, having come good, as it were. But, man, like, just, just let one or two rip every couple matches here against some competition and build rhythm, because rhythm is going to help predicate, I think, the future success that we're all looking to see, Brandon. I like success. You may you may not believe me, but I, I like it. I'm all about it. Mm. I mean, look, hot hot take. E- either way, I still think that the striker is a position uh, Maurizio Sarri is most concerned about. Even though he continues to come out and say, "Hey, no, no, it's all great. I believe in my strikers. I trust in them." You know, Giroud still has yet to get a goal, and I know that that's not fair to only judge him by that because he has done a lot in the ter- in the form of creating goals. But at the end of the day. That's what you expect your strikers to do. I mean, guys, let's remember, it's only been a week or two since one of you said, like, I hope we get to double digits combined for both of them. I think it was you, Nick. And we just sat there and we're like, that that can't happen. Like, that that is the lowest of the low. And now Murata's, you know, banging them in, kind of. So we'll see. You know, there's, there's still a long ways to go. Um, as we'll get into it, there are a ton of matches still yet to come this month. And, uh, well, not this month, but in the next month, like in the next three weeks, we've got games about every, every two, about three to four days, and it's going to be crazy. So I don't know. We'll have to kind of see what we do. But uh, before we move into additional thoughts and man of the match poll, Nick, more breaking exclusive news, exciting opportunities coming to you from us, right? Indeed. Um, so we're really excited to announce that we have a, uh, a referral code for um, or for a referral link, I should say, for classic football shirts. So I know that the uh, there's a, there's a big community out there for kind of your vintage or or kind of older style kits. Uh, classic football shirts has the best selection of those, uh, including a a tasty one that I just retweeted uh, on our Twitter account today with the with the referral link in there. So. Uh, if you go to classicfootballshirts.co.uk forward slash London pod, that will get you 10% off um, off their site. So save yourself some money or shipping or whatever. Uh, but yeah, they've been, uh, we've been working with them and we might have some, some other things that are, are coming down the pipe with that partnership. But um, just want to save you guys a bit of money in case you were looking to buy that, uh, 
that classic uh, 1994-95 orange Coors kit <laughs> that apparently is now very cool again, even though it's just terrifyingly ugly. You know, uh, we did the I did the unboxing video of the new kits from World Soccer Shop, and in that I was wearing one of their warm-up tops uh, from back in the Samsung days, and I got it from Classic Football Shirts. Uh, and I also got my brother like an old-school 94 Manchester United polo for Christmas one year. So again, they've got amazing selection and we've actually been customers before we even talked about a partnership so really cool go check it out um all right so guys with that being said are there any other additional thoughts or comments i kind of want to put one out right away um i know it's a bit of a contentious moment where ashley barnes damn near scissor tackled keppa and while i was super upset about it because most strikers at least put him under pressure or lunge the fact that he tackled um was just it's just Ashley Barnes for you. But uh, with that being said, uh, a lo- I think a lot of the players didn't really get too riled up because it was Kepa's fault. He just held on to the ball for too long, gave Barnes the opportunity to do something stupid. And uh, I've been caught doing something like that as well. And while you're upset in the moment, when you look back at it, you go, yeah, that was on me. Shouldn't have let him get that close. Um, so anyways, I-, I know that that was kind of a heated moment for us. We still actually, hate Ashley Barnes, though. There's no doubt about it. Hate him, absolutely hate him. Uh, I actually did have a not not to just goalkeepers union you, Brandon, but I've no <laughs> because that's what it, that's exactly what I'm doing. Uh, but I actually had a, a question I wanted to posit your way, which is I've noticed over the past couple of games that especially in the side to side kind of distribution, Kepa's looked a little shaky. Um, and it's not to say like we obviously won the game four nil, so it's not the end of the world, but especially when the ball is played back to him and there's somewhat of a high press on, it seems like he's pretty uncomfortable uh, at times. And I think the moment you referenced a couple of minutes ago is, is, you know, a, an extreme kind of version of that. But even his side to side, uh, passing has been like really soft or kind of off or, you know, I've seen Dave have to even run backwards a little bit to get his passes. Like, have you seen any of that? I mean, it could be, it's, I would say that it's the hardest of the distribution, especially um, the worst thing for a goalkeeper is to look to switch. So go from the left to the right or the right to the left. And the person you are looking for Dave and Alonzo most of the time or whoever. And if they are being marked, uh, there is a moment of, Oh shit, that was my guy. Now what do I do? And goalkeepers aren't great with plan B and C. They just want it to be simple and straightforward. So I think that that could be part of it. The other thing is um, we've seen a lot of goalkeepers uh, that that just aren't great with distribution in general and will put it out of bounds or worst case scenario, put himself in a counterattack position. So um, it could be, it could be a myriad of things, but I think that um, that like the driven ball across the field is the hardest um, to, to, take on so he could be hesitant though i mean i think you're right there's probably not as much confidence um but it's definitely the most difficult i mean look he 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 threaded a pass right up the middle between two attackers today uh to one to Jorginho or someone and i was like oh that was a fine margin but he's much more comfortable hitting that ball straight forward than lobbing it out wide he did have that nice lob though to uh, Alonzo as well. Um, so he he's shown some really nice distribution, I think, over the past couple games. I, I would agree that the side to side passes, but typically what's happening with those, I think, Nick, that you pointed out, is that those are the times that it looks like we've you know allowed the attackers from the opposition team to press a little too closely, and that's what's causing some of the the shakiness. I think when he's had just a little bit more space. The side to side passes really haven't been an issue. Uh, any other uh, any uh, other goalkeeping nonsense you want to throw away? I'm just kidding. That was totally worthwhile and valid, <laughs> Nick. Yeah, no, I just I've noticed it, and I I didn't want to say anything early on because I was I'm still getting used to watching him play, and so I know he's he's much different than former goalkeepers that we've had who you know consequently gave up five goals today. But that's not a thing that we want to talk about. Um, but yeah, no, it's just been interesting to watch his style compared to, uh, compared to our previous goalkeepers. Yeah. I look a massive improvement. Um, I wouldn't say it's too worrisome yet. Um, overall he's been a a significant rock, even his ability to just trap the ball and pick his head up. Those are big steps forward compared to what we've had. 
Um, Dan, anything else on your part that you wanted to bring up? Uh, I will say that I think Azpilicueta had one of his best games probably in uh, in a little while. I think that he's been you know struggling or at least like been burned a little bit in terms of defense. He's had obviously had to go up against players like Martial recently uh, that are obviously not easy for anyone to mark and go up against. But I felt like he was in control. Uh, made a good cross or two into the box as well, and just seemed a little bit more at ease, which uh, he's also getting rest. He's not having to play every game. You know, we're seeing Zappacosta come in and uh, give him some some time off, and uh, it seems like that's helping. It's a me, Zappacosta. It's uncanny how much he looks like Luigi. Um, wow. What? You think I'm wrong? <laughs> I, I just uh, was not expecting that. I'm, I'm just, you know, uh, I am as shocked as the Burnley defense when Ross Barkley shot from outside the box and scored. All right. I want to talk about your man in the match bowl. I don't remember a landslide victory like this in a long time. No, it wasn't even close. Uh, Ross, the boss Barkley with 86% and, uh, you know, very, uh, very narrowly uh, defeated William Conte and Morata at uh, six, five and 3% respectively. Uh, I think Jorginho is the only one I would have put in there as well if I had a fifth option. I don't know if you uh, agree or disagree, Nick. Um, I I think I would have voted William personally. Like I I don't know. Like I know that everyone's pumped about Ross, and and that's why these polls are so much fun is that they are all subjective, <laughs> um, you know, for the most part. But I mean, I thought William dictated play today, and I thought he played very well. Um, Got his goal. Should have had another one when he slid that. Um, when, he, when he hit the post on that, when he opened his body up on the counterattack, um, you know that would have been another really, really nice goal for him. But yeah, I, th- I thought William was clearly the man of the match to me. But and here's the thing, though: Ross, 107 touches, 96 passes, 95% pass accuracy, four chances created, three total shots, two assists, one goal, and your man of the match. Yeah, the two assists, yeah, that probably doesn't, huh? Yeah, all right, fair enough. Either way, (laughs) landslide victory, to say the least. Um, All right, well, I guess here is the table before City plays Spurs on Monday, uh, which obviously that will have heavy ramifications on the way the table looks. But as of now, Liverpool are on... are at the top with 26 points, Chelsea in second on 24 points, City a game behind in third place on 23 points, Arsenal sitting tight in fourth at 22 points, Spurs also a game behind in fifth on 21 points, Bournemouth holding tight at sixth on 20 points, and United making a big jump up to eighth on 17 points. Um, Fulham, Newcastle, United, and Huddersfield all down at the bottom at 18, 19, 20, respectively. Uh, you know, that is probably the biggest news of the table so far. Uh, the fact that Newcastle and Huddersfield are still without a win. I mean, they've got points, but they've only got three. It is not looking good. Uh, as you look at that table, Nick, and is anything surprise you the most? I know we keep, well, kind of going back to our predictions, Arsenal in fourth all of a sudden, they're starting to put together a run under Unai Emery. Oh, so interesting. So interesting. I don't know if anyone in this podcast, Nicholas, predicted Arsenal being in the top four. So shocking. I don't remember anything about our preseason predictions (laughs) at all. (laughs) Um, I I certainly don't remember what I said. I I probably said something super smart, like Chelsea weren't going to make the top four, so... Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's anything that really stands out. I mean, it's, the table's kind of shaken out the way that it probably is going to, you know, I think West Ham will probably trend up a little bit. You know, I think Wolves will eventually kind of fade, um, you know, Everton and United will, you know, eventually get somewhere near, you know, Watford and Bournemouth and, you know, I don't know, I, I, I feel for Fulham right now, man. I feel like they're playing good football, but you know their their defense is just not holding up their end of the bargain. They have an, a minus seventeen goal diff, which is tied for worst. Well, I mean they they signed their one of their keepers, a long term contract. They switched out that keeper with another. They have rotated their defense pretty regularly. Like um, it, it, it's just like there's some tactical mismanagement there on top of you know the the good football. I mean, there's definitely some positives, you know, I think 
Uh, Sari is really positive. Uh, Sherlo's played and, and looked well for them. But it, it just seems like there is not a lot of good strategy from top down being put together to help them stay up. And I think you see that is definitely the case at United, uh, Newcastle United. And then also the case, I think, with Huddersfield too. So, um, I mean, Cardiff and them will probably swap positions a couple of times throughout this. Uh, I mean, really, they're, they're both on five points, and it's really just a goal difference separating the two of them. Negative 14 for Cardiff, negative 17 for Fulham. And uh, my, my bargain or my money would be that Fulham over the course of the season could score more goals than Cardiff would. Chelsea allegedly were looking at signing Fulham's manager. What a situation that would have been. To me, I am most surprised at Bournemouth and Watford being at the top. I mean, they were in relegation battles. Eddie Howe literally fighting for his life last season to stay up. Watford, new managers, chopping and changing, selling Richarlison to Everton. Uh, you know, Troy Deeney is off to an amazing start. But to me, seeing those two, you know, in European spots while Burnley is down at the bottom, literally flip-flopped. Um, there's a, definitely some really interesting undercurrent stories happening in this table. Uh, you know, I don't know, the fact that Brighton are in 11th, I mean, I think we all had them relegated, but, you know, Chris uh, is doing a job there. So let us know what you guys think about the table. Uh, you know, we're getting close to uh, a third of the way through the season, not, or I guess a fourth of the way through the season just past it's uh, starting to shake out a little bit. I would love to hear what all of you think, but um, I think that's going to go ahead and wrap it up for this episode. We've uh, we got in, you know, had to get past the the sad news, unfortunately, gotten to it. But boys, it was uh, I think overall a good one. Any final thoughts you want to wrap this one up with? I know, obviously, like I said, we we already kind of shared our condolences and our our thoughts and everything with the the Hoddle and the Lester situation. But Nick, anything else you want to share with uh, our Chelsea family? No, I think the 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 only thing that I I saw at the end of the game, which it, it always makes me laugh, is Maurizio going over to the away supporters with the uh, with the unlit cigarette in his mouth. I mean, just it just he's not letting it go. He's not quitting. Um, <laughs> there's no there's no lifestyle change there. That man is just bound and determined to get his nicotine fix. So. Uh, just a funny kind of scene at the end. I hope we get to go to Cobham over New Year's, and uh, I want to take a photo of his smoking booth. <laughs> yeah, should like, we bring him some American spirits or something? You know, like a uh, you know something he can't get maybe in the UK. We'll, we'll have to talk it, to our contacts, see what they think. <laughs> it yeah, might be do, hard to do import. People smoke menthols anymore. <laughs> like what? what? <laughs> Who knows? Uh, Dan, what about you, man? Uh, you know, uh, I, I will say uh, thanks for putting up with a very sleep-deprived me on uh, on Twitter and then through this podcast because uh, I've watched a lot of postseason baseball with the Red Sox. And uh, you know what? I'm so appreciative for a 90-minute match with a little bit of stoppage time when you watch a 18-inning longest po- you know, game postseason game in World Series history. Um, you know what? It puts things in perspective and just how wonderful the sport of football is. What was it? one nothing? Uh <laughs> No, no, that, that there was. Uh, it ended up three uh, two or whatever. It was. Uh, it was a good game though. All right. Well, anyway, Chelsea fans, that is a wrap. Part two coming at you tomorrow. So make sure to be on the look for that, where we answer all of your social media questions and we look ahead to, as I mentioned, another busy, busy week with let's see, Carabao Cup midweek and then back in the Premier League at the weekend. So it's going to be great with the reunion with Super Frank in the middle of it. So with that being said, Chelsea fans, that is a wrap. Until next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.